Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome back to talk the plank back here on the fan first sports network i'm jay coming to you with a solo pod not going to do a fancy intro not going to do a very upbeat and happy intro that you're used to hearing uh mainly because we are in a bit of a crisis with the pittsburgh pirates we are i'm recording this on sunday the day before memorial day uh so before we get underway with talking about this pitiful performance that the pirates have put on let me just say uh, happy Memorial Day to you and to your loved ones. Um, I, I hope you all have a great day. Um, but remember remember the reason why we have Memorial Day, all those who've made the ultimate sacrifice and those currently fighting for our freedom. Um, without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Uh, so we just want to take a moment to remember them and uh, just remember the reason why we celebrate Memorial Day. So with that being said, let's talk about the Pirates a little bit. I was going to wait to talk about them uh, with Nate, but what's funny, we, I chatted up with Nate. I said, hey, do you need to vent over, pod, over a podcast? And he said, um, he honestly has no, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing here, he doesn't want to talk about the Pirates right now, um, and rightfully so. Um, with just a couple of days left in May, the Pirates, um, albeit it was surprising to see how long it lasted, but the Pirates are 26 and 26 for the first time since the uh, very first series of this season. The pirates are under 500 or at, or at 500, not quite under it yet, but they are at 500 after an historic 20 and eight first month in April, which I guess looking back on it can be considered a fluke at this point. Um, the pirates have really struggled, especially here in the month of May now, I know we have a couple of days left, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. They are 6-17 and 17 in the month of May. Let me say that again. Six wins, 17 losses. They have yet to win a series in the month of May after pretty much winning every series, if not sweeping it, back in the month of April. And it's hard to pinpoint exactly where the Pirates should lie their blame. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go over the top. I'm not going to you know, pinpoint one person or one player. I'm not going to 
bash on nutting, call him a cheapskate again. I'm not going to do anything like that because I think we all kind of expected the Pirates to come back down to earth, but they came back crashing down to earth and in a pit of fire, which, yeah, you hope you, you, you kind of knew regression was on its way. But in this sort of fashion, it, it's it's unex, it's inexplicable. And it's really just ridiculous how bad the Pirates have been. They've kind of looked, in, in, in one way, possibly even worse than over the past couple of years. Some of these losses have been by a sizable margin. Some of them have been pretty close. And the wins, and at least in, recent, in the recent couple of series, it's been pretty sizable with these wins. But the Pirates are now starting to fall into a trend. They'll win the first game of a series in grand fashion, and then they'll just completely fall apart over the next couple of games. For some reference, and we'll go back to May 19th, because that's when this whole thing started. The Pirates won against the Arizona Diamondbacks 13-3. to I was in attendance for that game, and let me tell you, I was ecstatic. I was thinking the Pirates were going to revert back to the way they were in April. Well, then they lost two more games to the Diamondbacks, 4-3 to and 8-3 to in the finale. They then went on to beat the Texas Rangers 6-4. to Not sizable by any means, but they still won. Then they dropped the next two, 6-1, to 3-2. to The Mariners, the series they just wrapped up today, won the first game 11-6, tied a team high, in their, uh, seven home runs, which tied for the highest in franchise history by one, a Pirates team in a single game. Then they got blanked on Saturday, five to nothing. They got cooked by Luis Castillo, who, um, yeah, he, he's a good pitcher, but I, I really thought the Pirates could have at least, you know, knowing the familiarity with him and how he was with the Reds, I thought they could have probably jumped on him a little bit. They didn't. They absolutely were terrible, and the results showed. Then in the finale, the Pirates fell six to three in extra innings. Lost on a walk-off three-run homer by Eugenio Suarez. Robert Stevenson let one up right down the middle. Now he's not the reason they lost the game. I'm not. Don't don't even think that that's what I'm getting at with that. But he did place one right down the chute, and Suarez launched it to left. I heard the radio call on my way home from my pre-Memorial Day barbecue. He hit one to left. It was gone in a flash, and the Pirates' hopes of winning the game disintegrated like that. It is pitiful. And you look back behind, you know, before this this run started, they took one from the Detroit Tigers, 8 to nothing, their second game. And then prior to that, they won against the Orioles on May 14th. But the biggest thing that stands out to me, the first two weeks of the month, the Pirates won one game in one win compared to 12 losses. Yeah, they picked up a couple of wins throughout the month of may but is it really worth it no it's not um i I guess where to begin let's start with the with the seattle series all right it, it just might be better if we start there robert stevenson did not blow the game he is not to blame for the pirates loss he's not a fantastic pitcher by any means and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he is, and I'm not going to try to convince you that he's not, because Robert Stevenson is an average pitcher. He can be serviceable, but he can also absolutely just fall apart, and we saw that today. Again, we're recording on a Sunday, and I'm going to speak as if I'm recording on a Sunday. 
He's 0-3 now with a 5.54 ERA, but there have been times this season where he's looked pretty good. He's hit or miss, and it sucks to say. But Pirates did not lose that game because of an errant pitch by Robert Stevenson. They lost because of multiple reasons beyond that. Exhibit A. We're into the seventh inning, and the Pirates, three hits in the game. They, were, had, they had three hits. They finished with seven, had three hits up until the seventh. Do you know who got those three hits? Let me refresh your memory. G1 Bay had one. All right. He had one. Chris Owings, tank commander, had the other. And Austin Hedges, who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn throughout the first month and a half, had our third and final hit. That is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Then you look at later in the game, Pirates finally decide to come alive. Andrew McCutcheon on a single. He's driven in by Brian Reynolds, who finished two for five, which both of those hits coming later in the game. Um, I brought the, I got the Pirates on the board. They then added two more in the eighth. Uh, Austin, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Austin Hedges got the Pirates on the board with a sack fly. Then Brian Reynolds, he tripled home Andrew McCutcheon. And then he was brought in a couple hitters later on a wild pitch that tied the game at three. And then, obviously, the three-run homer by Suarez happened in the bottom of the 10th. Um, so going back to Exhibit A, I guess me detailing all that was Exhibit 1A. But Exhibit A, Primary A. The Pirates only had three hits. Those coming from the bottom of the lineup throughout the halfway point of the game. They failed to get anything going towards the middle innings. Now, again, a lot of these players are played on Friday when the Pirates just absolutely steamrolled the Mariners, and yet they still couldn't do anything on Sunday. Saturday, I could understand. It seems like that's going to happen. If you're going to run up a scoreboard the, this uh, one day, you're going to just take a step back the next day. That's expected. But Sunday, I thought they would have had it a little bit more pulled together. Another thing that just angers me, and, I, and this is Exhibit B, the Pirates struck out 12 times in that game. In the, game, in the series finale against the Mariners, the Pirates struck out 12 times. Connor Joe had three of them. I think it's time for Connor Joe to have a nice elongated break. And, and that doesn't mean DFA him. I mean, maybe just on the bench. But Carlos Santana, since he's injured, he might see more playing time back to first base. Now, it's not unfamiliar territory for him because Joe did play first base when Santana was hurt before. So, again, this isn't unexpected. It, it does suck to lose Santana. Maybe it doesn't. He's hitting 226 with a 678 OPS. He homered for the second time this season against the Mariners on Friday. So Carlos Santana, maybe he worked a walk. That, that's a good thing. But maybe we just take it for what it's worth, and maybe Santana being out of the lineup isn't a terrible thing. But the thing that sticks out to me with the strikeout total, key Brian Hayes. Four strikeouts for young Hayes. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Hayes is a bad player because he's not. His defense is phenomenal. But when you account for one-third of the team's strikeouts in a, in, in a must-win game, and I know the term must-win game is almost redundant saying that because every, win is, every game is must-win. That's why you play the game, to, is to win. But when you strike out one-third of the time and you make up one-third of your team's strikeouts, that, that needs addressed. And the worst part about Hayes right now, he keeps getting dropped in the lineup. Um, he'll have a game here and there where he actually does pretty well. But... 221 average, and I'm not I'm not afraid to use average in this point because I, I've seen a lot more people recently in the past couple of days use batting average 
to help their argument. They haven't been using it as the basis. But a 221 average, 619 OPS. Yikes. I saw a tweet today, and it said that Hayes is looking down the barrel of a 500 or maybe a little above that OPS through 200 at-bats a season or plate appearances. That's awful. Now, we always knew that Key Brian Hayes wasn't the best hitter on the Pirates, nor was he ever going to be. He was a really good contact hitter down in the minor leagues. You know, he could be serviceable in that way. He could get on base for you. Now, it seems like ever since he's tried to prioritize hitting or prioritize power, um, that just has not been his forte, and he's just been struggling ever since. Now, I was looking at Baseball Savant, and um, I, I mean, right now, Key Brian Hayes is looking pretty bad, and I know that's that that's kind of like a redundant statement to point or to point out. But uh, I mean, his whiff percentage surprisingly isn't as bad as some of the people on the team. But the fact that he's not doing anything right now and offensively to help contribute is just it's kind of embarrassing. In fact, I think what really sticks out to me is that Tucapito Marcano, now I understand this is like a current streak that Marcano's on. He's doing better right now than Key Brian Hayes is at the plate. I'm not expecting Hayes to go up there and crush 30, not even 20 homers a season. In fact, I'm not really expecting him to hit a lot of homers. I'm more or less expecting him to get on base, a nice hard single on the ground, maybe a double here and there. Something to keep that average pretty high, almost like a Freddie Sanchez 2.0. Yeah, that's a name from the past. Love Freddie Sanchez. He was a great guy. But it seems like ever since he started focusing on power, that's when things have just sort of went downhill for him. Uh, yeah, he pulls the ball here and there, but, man, it's just it's frustrating seeing a guy like that who is so good defensively, you know, league leader in DRS, um, can make plays here and there, make everything look so easy. And he does. Watching Key Brian Hayes on the field defensively, he makes anything look easy. Every time he makes a play, I look at it and say, I could do that. And then I take a step back and go, Jake, no, you can't. You cannot do that because Key Brian Hayes is special. But when you can't contribute offensively, and that, see, this is the thing that really I, I get really upset about. A lot of people, when they talk about the Pirates, I hear them talking about defense and what they mean defensively to the Pirates. Well, baseball is a two-part sport, and I think I've said this before on multiple multiple talk to planks. Baseball is a two-side two, sp- a two side sport. If you can't hit and you can't field, then you have no business being out there. And I know what you're thinking. Well, who are you to say that? Who are you to judge? You're not out there. You're behind a microphone and you're a fan. Well, you're absolutely right, but I'm alive. That wasn't my goal to be a baseball player. But I will say, no matter what, no matter what sport you're in, no matter what level you're in, if you can't play all needed sides, then you're not going to win many games. You're not going to succeed, and that's exactly what the Hay- what Hayes is doing right now for the Pirates. He's great defensively, and I'm sure that the Pirates' run differential will be much worse if he wasn't at that hot corner. There's no doubt in my mind. But the fact that he is not hitting, he's not producing, he's saving runs, but he can't create them. That's a problem to me, and it should be a problem to everybody else. Whoa, Jake, why are you telling people what they should and should not believe? Because we've been dealing with a lot of this crap that the Pirates have been putting in front of us for the past, what? I mean, we've been dealing with struggling Pirates for a while, but ever since 2020, really, we've just been dealing with bad baseball. 
with maybe a blip here and there of really good runs, and including this you know, in, a- in April with 20 and 8. We've been dealing with this for years, and we just want to see some consistency from both sides, both offensively and defensively. And I'm not going to lie, I thought we were going to get that. I thought we were going to get that with Key Brian Hayes. I thought we were going to get that with a guy like Carlos Santana. I wasn't expecting him, again, to you know break StatCast, if I can make a reference. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it, it's unreal, the fact that we're not getting anything in return. And by we're, I mean the consumer baseball. We're not getting anything from our hometown team. Um, I will say, and I know this is going to go over very poorly with some people, but Juwan Bay is at least getting on base. Yeah, he, he cancels it out with some pretty poor base running. That's why I'm not entirely sold on him, but at least he's getting on base. He's trying to make something happen. Whether he, you know, he runs into outs, that's on him, but like, the fact that he's actually hitting, getting in the hit column. I mean, he's got the second highest batting average on the team right now. OPS isn't great. Batting average wise, he's hitting 275. The only person above him is Brian Reynolds at 290. Again, I'm not here to make batting average the basis of my argument for anything. But I'm trying to reach both, I guess, diehard fans and the casual fan. Because let's admit it, casual fans, they don't go deep into research, and we understand that. But right now, G1 Bay is at least hitting the ball. That's hard to say for a lot of the a lot of the Pirates players. And I'm kind of excluding Rodolfo Castro from this because he is just not getting opportunities. He got some today against a left-handed pitcher, went 0 for 3. He did work two walks, though, one of them being intentional. So I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's, he's raising that on-base percentage. His OPS at 788 right now, which isn't too, too bad. It's really not. But... The fact that we're not getting anything from this offense is something. But I will also exclude Andrew McCutcheon for that. I should have I should have said that. Him and Brian Reynolds, I will exclude. Reynolds to a point, though. Because Reynolds, it seems like anytime there's runners in scoring position, things just don't go his way. He either grounds into a double play, grounds into a force out, pops out. It's just, it's hard to pinpoint exactly. And it's hard to place blame on Brian Reynolds because he is a really good player. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have signed that 100-plus million-dollar extension. But he is a good player. I think situationally, though, he struggles. I don't have the, re- the, the recipe for the solution for that, how to fix it. But I- I'm also not going to hold Brian Reynolds solely accountable, or at least really accountable for the Pirate struggles. He does try, and he does good things here and there. And McCutcheon, too. 36 years old, and he finished today's game one for four with a 267 average and 816 OPS. He's making some plays. But then again, you can't just have one, two, three guys making up a whole team. And I find it funny because everybody's teasing about the bottom of the lineup, but yet we referenced what my one point earlier. The Pirates actually had three hits halfway through the game, and all three came from Bay, Owings, and Hedges. I'm not here to say they're great, and they're not by any means, but I just find that ironic. Let's talk about a guy that I think has drawn a lot of discourse on Twitter. Jack Sawinski. I'm going to make a lot of people mad here, but I also might find the root cause of why people don't like Jack Sawinski. Let's take a look at today. He came up, a big-time scenario. There was runners at the corners, one out, and Sawinski had a chance, a chance to make things look good. And Reynolds took off from first, because that's who was on first at the time. 
took off on a two-strike pitch. Sawinski whiffed at one in the zone. All he had to do, and, and, and I was listening on the radio, wasn't watching it, so I don't know how the defense was aligned, but shoot the gap that was open due to, this, to, the, to the base runner at first. Even if it was a slight opening, shoot for there. Make contact. Don't do anything. Don't, don't try to do anything too big. What did he do? He struck out. And Swinski has been like almost known for striking out this entire season and last year too. Now, I'm going to say this. I have defended Swinski multiple times on this show. I have tried to find reason with him. But ultimately, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight from what was going in my brain when he was acquired by the Pirates. I wasn't a fan of him. I really wasn't. Watching him at Altoona, I thought he was bad. And it's not, I guess I shouldn't say bad. A lot of people say he's bad. He's not. He's, he's just not the star of the team, and I think everybody holds him to that standard. I don't know why. Maybe because of the power. Because the power is there. It is. And no one should be fooled by it. But his inconsistency to make contact, it seems like he's just trying to do way too much. Whereas the beginning of the year, when he was actually putting up pretty good numbers, Sawinski was actually making good plays. He was making smart, fundamental baseball moves. Placing things in gaps. Trying to make just solid contact. Not trying to pull the ball over the fence. Seems like Sawinski has sort of fallen back on doing that. And I'm trying. I'm looking at his baseball savant here. He's in the top seven percent of barrel percentages. He's also in the top eight percent of the league in Wobacon. But then I scroll down. His ex, his expected batting average is two fourteen. He's expected to slug nearly five hundred, which isn't bad. But he's not. I mean, he's just he's just not it, man. Like, I, he chases 50% of the time. Half of his swings are out of the zone. Oh, I'm sorry, chase contact percentage. He chases only 17% of the time. Well, I guess that's a, I guess that's a good thing. I'm getting mixed up with my stats here. But it, it's, it's kind of a weird phenomenon, I guess, if we want to take something away from my miscue there on stats. Stats can be deceiving. There's stats and then the eye test which only a select amount of people sort of want to talk about. And there are people on Twitter and social media who talk about the eye test because it does work, okay? There are people that can put up good numbers. You know, it's not like there's one side that is the, that's, one, that's gospel. I guess it's the best way I can put it. The eye test does work. And that's why there's so much discourse around Jack Sawinski. To the naked eye, he looks awful. But in his numbers and his, his advanced metrics, the guy isn't awful. He's not great, but he's not awful either. So, I mean, it's it's weird phenomenon with him. Just somebody who watches him. It's, it's frustrating. Watching him at the plate, take strikes, chase things outside, especially. And I think we also have to consider the scenarios that he does something in. When it's a mop-up role, whether they're down by a lot or up by a lot, Swinski kind of thrives. But in clutch scenarios, Swinski sucks. Today being a great example of that. He had a chance to at least do something. Maybe just make a little bit of contact, get the defense shaking, and he couldn't even do that. 
He just whiffed at one. Now, I thought that the open stance that they introduced at the, at the beginning of the year was a true fix for him, but I, I see that's not the case. I guess what I'm trying to say with Sawinski here, I'm, not, I'm, I'm torn. I don't think he's a great everyday option. I'm almost leaning back to letting Travis Swaggerty or claiming, clamoring for Travis Swaggerty to come up. I know he's been dealing with an injury, and I know that, or a sickness, I should say, and he's been on the injured list. Might be a little rusty, but I'm kind of just clamoring for him at this point. I, I really am. I know they're not going to put Tukapina Marcon in the outfield. G1 Bay is more of like a only when we really need him guy for the outfield. And I, oh man, I'm I'm really trying to watch my words here because I don't. I'm trying not to say that Sawinski sucks. It's not what I'm getting at at all. But I'm also not trying to make it seem like I want Sawinski to play every day because I just don't. He is best maybe in like a. I can't even say DH because you actually have to hit the ball in the DH spot. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to speculate where I want Sawinski, but I just know that he's just he's a main he's a main anchor for it. And he, it's just, I mean, then again, who isn't an anchor on a struggling team? But I'm just kind of getting over Sawinski. I'm getting over his BS at the plate. Getting, I'm getting over the fact that he can only thrive in low leverage situations. Because that those those type of players do not make a winning ball club. Let's let's shift focus here a little bit. I want to talk about something that I think a lot of people have realized um, from earlier today. And that is Ben Charrington's comments on his radio show. And let's start with the biggest one that I think everybody took away. And that was his comments. I think that was comments about the, uh, the, the success that the Pirates have, I guess, fallen into in the beginning of the year. I'm going to try to pull it up right now. Uh, I'm going I'm to quote Jason Mackey's tweet here. Ben Sherrington on 93.7 The Fan when asked if internal projections had the Pirates at 26-25 and 25 through 51 games played. Quote, no, and I don't think many others did either. I don't mind saying that. Now, a lot of people want to get instantly mad because it just kind of shows that, you know, in a way it's like, oh, our staff didn't even think that we were going to do well this year. Well, yeah, nobody thinks the Pirates are ever going to do well. That's why when they do well, and the rare chance that they do, you hear a lot of people talking about it because they, they exceed expectations. But we all know Sawinski. It seems or Sawinski. We all know Charrington. All right, he kind of talks flat. Doesn't see. Doesn't get excited. Doesn't try to show emotion. He tries to keep everything a stone face. But the fact that he doesn't at least seem in the in the least bit really happy that the Pirates are exceeding expectations is kind of alarming to me because it's in, it's really his control. Now, I know my nutting haters out there are going to say, no, it's Bob Nutting, okay? It, it, it's totally him. You know, he, he makes the decisions, and Ben Sherrington is just his, 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 um, his patsy. Well, yeah, but, I mean, come on. If you're the general manager of a team and you want – I mean, success is just awesome to feel. And you're telling me Ben Charrington just isn't pleased about that? That's alarming. To me as a fan and as, I guess, I don't want to say a media source, but a blogger, a podcaster, it makes me excited when the Pirates do well. If you couldn't tell by the episodes of Talk the Plank that Nate and I recorded or the Morning Box of Joe on the Fan First Sports Network that we put out, when the Pirates win and they do really good, we get really happy. 
because that's a result of it. It seems like for Charrington, he's almost like he's almost like worried about it. It's almost like he's worried about the expectation of winning becoming a big thing in Pittsburgh, which is awful. Now I'm really grasping at straws here, but and I'm sure that's not what Charrington thinks. He's just trying to stay stone faced for the for the, for the sake of sanity. But in my eyes, Charrington not being excited about that is pretty pathetic. All right. Don't blame him and don't blame the the inner office staff because they didn't project the Pirates to be 26 and 26 through 52 games played. And I'm updating that after today's game. I mean, be a little bit happy. The Pirates are actually proving management wrong or they were, I should say. It's not a bad thing that Charrington said that. And it's not a bad thing that he that he admits it. In fact, I like it a little bit better that he admits it. But the fact that we're in year, what, three or four of the rebuild and, you know, people still don't think that we can win, that I think is what's the most alarming part about this. If I'm Ben Charrington and I put out a good product, or at least I feel like I put out a nice product this coming year, I would at least say, you know, they, they maybe have exceeded my expectations a little bit, but I, you know, I, we, we set out to put a purpose of winning in, and that's why we brought in all these guys um, so the fact that he's just not 100% overjoyed about this is pretty alarming to me. Another quote I want to talk about is this quote on Nick Gonzalez, who's been very up and down in the minor leagues this season. Um, I'm going to try to pull up some of Gonzalez's stats here um, just because, you know, well, first, while I do that, let's read the actual quote. Again from Jason Mackey. Quote, he's one of several guys with AAA Indianapolis who over the course of 2023 we hope become stronger and stronger options if the need arises at the major league level. If the need arises at the major league level. See, that's what concerns me a little bit, mainly because there is kind of a need in the major league level right now. Why is it that we would prefer to put Chris Owings at an everyday role at shortstop Okay, Chris Owings, give or take G1 Bay, depending on how you feel about him on the field. Okay, we're just factoring in his on-field abilities at this moment in time. Given what he's done, okay, why would you not at least try to give him a, a look at the major leagues right now? Right now, I mean, he's not doing too too great but by the current pirate standards he'd be okay 247 329 747 ops four home runs 13 ribbies not terrible but he's you know he's a former first round pick if your team's struggling trying to get something to ignite this offense cuz clearly Andy's not coming up yet neither is henry you know cuz of manipulation sake and that's just speculation just at least let him try let Gonzalez come up try and the need is there I wouldn't say the need was there if we were playing O'Neill Cruz every day at short and we were getting Castro and Marcano consistent looks at second base. I'd say we'd be fine at this point with Bay as like a fourth infielder. But the need is there. I don't want to keep seeing Chris Owings. I think a lot of people would rather see Nick Gonzalez up because even if he struggles, they know he can be sent down to work on some things. Chris Owings is a minor league journeyman who is only up in the major leagues right now because the Pirates, again, have a need that arose. It's just baffling. It's baffling the, the the mental tennis that the Pirates are just putting fans through with, you know, who are, who some of these guys are. It, it just is. Um, and I think another thing, Charrington talked about Vince Velasquez, and, you know, I'm not going to read that quote because I think it, I'm just going to make this short, sweet, and simple. Pirates rushed him back. 
they tried making it so he was back on his normally scheduled day, and it bit them in the butt. Um, he was out again after two innings with you know arm tightness. Just it's unbelievable, really. It really is. Last thing I'm going to say, at least for the roster, another guy I think we should give a look to Aaron Shackelford in AAA. He is just on a he's on a roll. So there is no reason why we shouldn't at least look at him, especially with Carlos Santana now likely out for a little bit of time. Shackelford can play first. He can play second, too. He can play a lot of places. Just give him a chance. All right? Nobody expects anything from Shackelford. If he comes up and struggles, it's not like we didn't expect it. If he comes up and does great, awesome. It's good to see. So where does this go from here? Let's wrap up. Talk about schedule ahead for the Pirates. They go to San Francisco to take on the Giants for three games starting on Monday. Not sure when this pod's going to get out, but they go to the Bay Area. I mean, you can think what you want. It doesn't It, it doesn't look like the Pirates are going to do anything against the Giants. All right. Giants are going to send Anthony DiSclefani, who the Pirates have seen multiple times with the Reds. Rich Hill opposes him. He goes for the Pirates. Tuesday, Johan Oviedo scheduled to pitch, and Mitch Keller is expected to wrap things up on Wednesday with the Giants before the Pirates come home for the weekend against the Cardinals. Normally, I give my predictions as to how the Pirates are going to do. I I don't know. I'm going to say they do the same thing they did before, and let's take the first game in resounding fashion, make everybody think that they're going to be great again, that they're turning a leaf, turning a corner, and they're going to drop the next two. Now, San Francisco hasn't announced their starter for the second game of the series. I don't know what to think, but I know it's not going to go well. I mean, we just we just know that. And then third game of the series, Mitch Keller, unfortunate as it is, I think he's going to shove again. He's just not going to get any offensive support. Again, not too shocking based on what we've seen lately. I mean, he was really, really fortunate to get a win on Friday because he did have that offensive support after giving up some runs to the Mariners. Um, it, it's it's hard to predict. I mean, I'm going to look at the Giants right now, look at the standings or a standings watch again. Um, Giants are third in the NL West at 27-26. They lost their most recent game. They're 7-3, though, in their last 10. So, I mean, when you look at it, Giants have a bit of an upper hand. Again, I think they just I think the Pirates do just take one of three. This vicious cycle is going to continue itself. I don't know how June's going to do, but I, I really hope that it's a little bit different than uh, how May turns out. Again, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. I've made my prediction. I don't think anybody's going to get on a hot streak. I don't think anybody's going <laughs> to. I don't think anybody's going to stay consistent. I think if anything, things just get worse from here. If the Pirates don't do anything quickly, who knows? Well, that's going to wrap up for this talk. The plank. Sorry, it's the one-person show, uh, but we, I had to get this out here because I think we just really needed to just debrief the Pirates in this his horrific month of May. I think we just kind of needed a nice little outlet for it. I'm proud of myself for not losing control of my emotions. Um, But I said in the beginning I wasn't going to get too overworked, and that's exactly why I did that. Um, But, again, Pirates, this is a team effort. I learned long ago when I was in youth sports and growing up through high school, no matter how you lose, it's a team effort. That's why I didn't pin the loss on just one specific person. I didn't go off the wall on Robert Stevenson for giving up that home run to lose it because it's, 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 in the end, it's a team effort. Pirates, they could have scored. you know. And I'm going to throw in one of Nate's points, uh, Nathan Hirsch's points. The Pirates seem to fail to score four runs, and they, you know, they just give up a ton early on in the game. 
that's paraphrasing, and they end up losing, and that's exactly what we've been seeing in those games the Pirates have lost. Hopefully they turn a new leaf in June. My hopes on that are not too optimistic. Um, but, hey, that's what they're out there for. They're here to prove us wrong and prove themselves right, I guess. So we will see first game against the Giants, Memorial Day, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully the Pirates come away with a nice holiday win. Well, that's going to do it for us here today on Talk the Plank. Thanks so much. If you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate it here at Talk the Plank and Bucks Dugout. Um, so go ahead, give us a follow on in, on Twitter. Let's start with Bucks Dugout, at Bucks Dugout. You can follow me at underscore Radio Jake. You can follow Nathan, my co-host, at Nathan underscore Hirsch. Wasn't on the show today, but go show him some love anyway. Go follow Talk the Plank at Talk the Plank Pod. And as always, follow Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN. Be sure to turn on the notifications, too, for Talk the Plank. We release a morning bucket, Joe, every morning during the week on the Pirates and how they do, or if it's an off day, we preview the series coming up. It's a daily thing. It's great. And as always, it's always your home for Talk the Plank. And Haley Ryan's Minor League Madness, it's an awesome series. If you haven't checked it out yet, go do that. Go show that some love. And uh, until next time, we will see you here on Talk the Plank. Again, thank you so much. Enjoy your Memorial Day holiday again. Take maybe even 10 minutes out of your day to just remember the reason why we celebrate Memorial Day. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Talk the Plank. Talk the Plank.